0: Female Characters, the podcast featuring feminist thriller writers in conversation about female characters who don't give a damn if you like them. I'm Wendy Hurd and I'm here with Lane Fargo. Hello. Kristen Le Pianca is not with us today. Her power is out and she is alone in the creepy darkness. She's probably definitely not being murdered.
1: Definitely not. So, Lane, you have a book out. I do have a book out for over a month now. It's crazy.
0: How does it feel?
1: Um, It's great and terrifying. (laughs) I think that kind of sums it up. It's like been really exciting to, you know, talk to people about it, have see a lot of reviews online, talk to readers. um, But it's just it's like there's always something new to be anxious about when you're an author, Mm -hmm. which I'm sure you're familiar with this feeling because we talk about it all the time on Twitter DMs, like just (laughs) the constant freaking out.
0: Yeah. I mean, with each new milestone comes something to be nervous about that you did not even realize.
1: Yeah. It's like you don't know until you're in it. And then people are like, oh, are you worrying about this? You should worry about this also. And then you're (laughs) like, okay, I will. I will. (laughs) Just add it on.
0: I think that if you're someone who is relatively type A, if that's the right way to say it, I know you and I both share this, We're like, we want data, we want information, we want to analyze it, we want to understand the success of something, we want to know how it's going and adapt our marketing strategies. We just want to Mm -hmm. feel like we're in it, in control of it. And so much of releasing a book is just not knowing how it's going. People ask you, you really don't know. I don't know, I mean, I'll see some numbers in a week but I don't know how accurate they are. And it's kind of coming to terms with that.
1: Yeah, I was talking to my boss at my corporate day job about it. She was asking me how it was going and she was like very shocked that she was like, well, you see sales figures, right? And I was like, yeah, but they don't really tell you what's like good if you're meeting expectations or failing miserably it's like it's all kind of a guessing game or in the corporate world it's very like yeah we have these metrics and you're supposed to hit them by the end of the quarter and if you don't then like we adjust this right it's very data-driven so um yeah it's frustrating not knowing that stuff but i'm trying to just like enjoy the parts of it that are enjoyable like it is Honestly, just walking into my office every morning and seeing all of the books lined up on my bookshelf makes me so happy. Like I just (laughs) go in there and see that and it just warms my heart because I dreamed about it for so long and now it's real.
0: Well, that's great. And you've done some bookstore events and stuff like that
1: hmm Yeah, I've done a couple. I have another one coming up in uh, Columbus with Kristen actually at the end of September, September 29th at oh the bad. Book Loft. Yeah, it's going to be really fun. Uh, and I'm doing one in Milwaukee as well. Um, so yeah, just a little, not an official book tour, but like checking out a few places around the Midwest. We've all been insanely busy this summer. I mean, that's why we haven't recorded in over a month because it has just been nuts. Like I had a book come out, Kristen had a book come out. She and I are both on deadline for our next book, as are you. You're working on your YA right now. I just turned it
0: in. Yeah, I just just got off deadline. Yep.
1: Congratulations.
0: Yep, and it's been event season, which is what this episode is about. We thought we could do uh, an unlikable female characters roundup of event season. As y'all know, it's um, every year. There's a lot of writers' conferences. And the first year you have a book coming out, you kind of do everything because you're not sure which conferences are going to be the ones that are good for you and which ones are going to be kind of like a waste of time but you know which ones are the most important for you so Mm -hmm. you kind of do everything you try everything and then you get a little bit more of a a feel for it so I feel like I went to like 40 conferences this year I know
1: you did too (laughs) yeah I was trying to remember I mean I went to AWP in Portland that was back in March and Mm -hmm. then I went to Murder and Mayhem, which is a one-day conference in Chicago yep. that I've done a couple times now. Mm-hmm. That one's really nice because it's close to home and very low stress. Yeah, and it's that's It's just cool. one day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, we both went to Thriller Fest mm-hmm. uh, just a few weeks ago in New York City, which is this huge conference for mystery and thriller writers. And I had never been before, so I didn't know what to expect. You kind of warned me uh, about yeah. how intense it was, but I don't think I understood until I got there.
0: And then, like, late last year, I did BoucherCon. So yeah, I mean, it's been, and then I've done some Noir at the Bar stuff, which is a reading, read aloud sort of event where they have local, uh, it's really fun, actually. But yeah, it's just been, it's been a lot, it's been a lot of events.
1: Mm -hmm. And we are the introverted queers who want to stay inside and not talk to anyone. So it's like kind of a lot for us to go to these events. Um, I'm glad we had each other at Thriller Fest, for sure.
0: I've met a lot of amazing people. I'm always so glad I went. I've made friends with some just awesome, especially women authors. Mm -hmm. I don't think I would have anywhere near the amount of community I feel like I have, if not for these events. So I have like a very mixed, I have a mixed bag of emotions about them. I, I feel really overwhelmed. I spend about a week after each conference listing all the things i shouldn't have done in my head like oh, oh yeah i shouldn't same. have said this you you were so annoyingly perky you were so dark and dreary you complained too much you raved too much like my brain just like won't shut up about everything i that i did wrong
1: when were you perky i miss this when did it happen <laughs> <laughs>
0: Explain i don't know yourself. it's like a thing i have where i feel like in moments i just like oh yeah really uh-huh cool that's so great like i feel like i get really weirdly perky sometimes when i'm nervous
1: okay okay I could see I do that too sometimes Uh, I think that's one of those things like as a woman you're socialized to be like nice and sweet so you sometimes default to that even if it's not your like real personality when you're in stressful situations I see that
0: or yeah and like I've been told throughout my whole life that I have really bad resting bitch face and so I've I'm I never want people to feel like I don't want to be talking to them or that I don't that I'm not enjoying myself. So I find myself in pictures, I see this really fake and awful smile on my face just because I'm trying so hard to like perform cheerfulness or like to perform friendliness. Like I'm Mm -hmm. trying so hard that I don't even recognize myself in pictures sometimes.
1: Yeah, it's a really weird thing. I mean, especially if you're just not used to being well, around that many people or like for me, I'm not used to being around people at all because I work from home and I'm like a hermit basically. So it is very strange to go to these events with so many people. But yeah, I had a great time at all of these events, especially Thriller Fest. I mean, it was really overwhelming, especially because it was the week uh, right after my book had come out. So it's already just like feeling every feeling that there is. Um, but I had a great time. I met so many people and had great conversations and just... Like learned a lot about um, some of the great things ahead for me as an author, hopefully, but also like like we said, some of the things that you need to be worried about that you were not aware of ahead of time. Um,
0: I have so many unlikable female characters, jokes blowing up in my head as the men do their thing. At these oh, events,
1: let's talk about the men, so <laughs> we? Now, first of all, hashtag not all men. <laughs> hashtag Not all men,
0: because I have also met made some like great friends with dudes at these events. You know what oh, I mean? Oh yeah. And like, I have a lot of male friends that I that will sit here and laugh at this stuff right here with us. But
1: mm-hmm. I let's do shout think out some like good men first of all. So like, we ha- we both had a great conversation with Riley Sager at Thriller Fest. He's Riley amazing. Sager
0: is so cool and yes. nice and warm. Riley Sager bought both of our books just because they were both our first books out and he had to sign them and he sat and talked with us and he's like the coolest.
1: The coolest. And then we also got to meet um, my agent sibling, Bernard Schaefer. Oh he's my also... God. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I was like, I was having such a fun time with him. So he's a detective and he was telling me, he's like, I don't know if you're interested in hearing any funny stories about dead bodies. And it was like, you know in those movies when you see your love interest and all the music fades away and it all blurs and it's just that person's (laughs) face rising in front of you and they're so beautiful that's how I felt where I was like yes I want to hear about dead bodies and he was like well let me tell you he told us some
1: stories man
0: oh my god (laughs) best okay we got to hang out with Angel Luis Colon which I love Mm -hmm. him so much he's he's just awesome people and I want, I, I want to say that he's one of the few people I feel like I can just immediately upon seeing him start roasting him, and it's completely fine. I appreciate that <laughs> that my sense of humor is is fine with him.
1: And you and Kristen were both on his podcast, The Bastard Title, and yeah. I am. Uh, I recorded an interview with him right after Thriller Fest, and it's coming out on the nineteenth of August, I think, yep. so pretty soon. So he's he's collected us all, yay. <laughs>
0: But he likes to talk shit about this stuff, too, so it's great.
1: Yeah, we talked some shit about this in my interview with him, mm-hmm. so hopefully I won't, like, tread the same ground today. But, um, okay, so we, you know, not all men. We like some men, um, but there are definitely other men at these conferences. Um, I
0: think we should just take turns and swap our favorite moments.
1: <laughs> okay, okay. Do you want to start? Go for it.
0: Okay, I'm going to start off with... Um, I'm going to start off with this, with a regular mid-list author man, just to write like, like you and me, you know, we're not, we're not super fancy. We're just mid-list people, right? He described himself as a renowned author in his, in his bio that he like said to a room full of people.
1: Like it doesn't count if your mom is the one who thinks (laughs) you're a renowned author. Like you can't put that in your bio, sir. Like
0: by what, what metrics? I don't know. He was a renowned (laughs) author
1: so let's see where yeah. to begin um one of my favorite things from a conference I recently went to was there was this panel it was about um, like movies screenwriting that kind of thing and there was a slide in the PowerPoint presentation about writing plots about women in peril like that's what it said uh-huh. on the PowerPoint slide women in peril like you and-
0: should write these plots because this is what will sell
1: No, like if you're going to here are some helpful bullet Mm. points
0: oh how to write women in how to
1: write women in peril um which is totally different than writing men in peril i don't know if you knew that we're in different kinds of peril as women um in fact sex is often the reason that's why like we're we're in peril because we made poor sexual decisions that's what i learned
0: our vaginas are in danger but because (laughs) of our own bad choices
1: yes I see what I didn't know that but now I do
0: was it walking that that was our bad choice or what choice was it I don't know it was just
1: just one slide so you know didn't have room Mm. for all of the bad choices that we could make but you know bad choices put us in peril good to know I was I think I was texting you the whole time during that panel (laughs) should have taken a picture oh my god anyway
0: (laughs) one I think this is a truly shining moment um I was in a panel, uh, sitting in the audience, and the so the panel was a group, and there was like an older gentleman and like a number of like five people, and then the moderator was like a woman standing up, and during her introductions, she was going like, "This is this person, this is this person." When it was his turn, he leapt, he leapt up, he ran, grabbed the microphone out of her hand. <laughs> and said do you want to see a magic trick took his hat off and went and there was like a little flame like a puff of fire that came out of his fedora of course was a fedora
1: like,
0: smoke rose up above the audience like toward the fire alarms kind of the smoke alarms and we all of us in the audience were just looking up at the ceiling like are the sprinklers going to go off and he just <laughs> went then to do a small um, set of magic tricks While the panel moderator tried to get the microphone back from him and he kept turning and giving her his shoulder so she couldn't get it.
1: Oh my God. I mean, (laughs) no one asked for that. That is, wow. I was
0: falling off my chair laughing, like crying off my eye makeup. It was amazing. (laughs) It
1: wasn't that (laughs) dramatic, but I've noticed at all conferences, um, Mm -hmm. if the panelists are allowed to introduce themselves, which honestly, I don't think they should be able to because there's too much... Room for uh, grandstanding, but I noticed a pattern um, that when women introduce themselves they're very matter of fact they're like i'm so-and-so i'm the author of this book i have a degree from here i teach at this place like very matter of fact like even Mm -hmm. when it's very impressive credentials they just summarize it succinctly and like Uh hand over the mic it's fine but the men some of the men not all men (laughs) but some of them will go on and on and on i mean these are like short panels right so like we don't have time for introductions like this but they're like oh, I wrote this short story and I made this YouTube video that got kind of popular and, like, have you listened to my podcast? And then they go on to describe
0: themselves as renowned.
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like, they just go on and on and on and, like, this kind of – like lackadaisical tone of Uh voice where you can tell that they didn't think this through ahead of time they're just like kind of off the cuff listing all of this stuff like that's kind of the most frustrating thing about it is it's like these women come they're prepared they have like their bio down and these men are like oh well i don't know i did this and this and that and i wanted to like punch them all in the face and also i'm like this is not why we're here we're here for the panel discussion not to hear about your youtube video that was like sort of popular once three years ago
0: And I want to just go ahead and say that um, a shining beacon is that I heard a number of times in real life, in the flesh, men say the following words. This is more of a comment than a question. Should be illegal. You can't. (laughs) You can't. You cannot.
1: That's why we have, um, if you email unlikablefemalecharacters at gmail.com, you will get an autoresponder that tells you that if you're a man who has more of a comment than a question, we will mock your email and then delete it. Forever. And that's true. That's what we'll do. That's not an idle threat.
0: May I tell you that this year on a panel, I saw a panel on feminism moderated by a man.
1: Cool. <laughs> cool, 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 cool. <laughs> w- were the panelists all women at least, yep, but they needed they like a man to keep them all like yeah. on task and... I their don't lady know. brains might not be able I to feel handle like it the
0: vision might have been like it will be cool to bring a male perspective i don't know i don't know i don't know
1: i wonder who came up with that do you think that possibly it was another man who came up with that idea
0: <laughs> i'll be honest he was great i know i actually have seen that author on other panels and he was awesome like he didn't do a bad job. He didn't say anything that upset me. He was great. I'm not in any way criticizing him. It was just an interesting little setup.
1: <laughs> just like the concept was flawed. And these panels tend to be, especially in the mystery and thriller genres, like more men than women, overwhelmingly white, um, like to a ridiculous degree where I'm like, you didn't even try. Like, come on, guys. To the point where
0: it's like, what is happening?
1: Yeah. I don't know what the solution is is cuz it is like the way that panels are assigned it's often like a top down thing where like the conference organizers come up with the panels or choose from submissions like they're the ones making the decision so yeah. it's like hard, like they they're the ones who need to change this i'm not sure what we can do about it except complain but it is a very frustrating thing it's sort of just indicative of like larger issues in the genre and in publishing in general obviously but in
0: young adult I've had a lot of friends say they refuse to be on a panel unless there's diversity represented on the panel
1: that's good um, yeah I like that
0: with regards to gender with regards to sexuality ethnicity you know they just insist on you know diversity or they will not attend
1: so that's sort of like inclusion writers in Hollywood where you're like using your influence to yeah. train. I like that. I will, if I'm ever like fancy enough to be asked to be on panels, I will keep that in mind. Uh, advice I got,
0: advice I heard while in a panel. Um, and the advice was coming from a man who said he recommended, one of the best things he ever did was to teach his nanny how to read his royalty statements and help him with his paperwork.
1: So relatable. We can all do that. Super relatable. For everyone. <laughs> Yeah, I think there's, um, I don't know, going to some of these events as a debut author. I mean, obviously, we're there to learn. Like, we don't know as much as everyone else. Although you're not, I guess you're technically still a debut author since your second book isn't out yet. But I feel like you're more experienced than me at this point. So, but I am definitely like a little baby debut author at this point. Um, and like going to some of these events, there's a lot of panels and things that are like meant to give advice to debut authors and to try and help us, which is great. Like, and I have learned a lot from them, but I feel like sometimes the authors speaking on the panels, if they're too far removed from the debut experience, like some of their advice just isn't really relevant anymore. It's, um, you know, it's from like 10, 20 years ago and publishing changes so quickly. Like, I feel like your book came out in December, mine came out in July, and I think things have changed <laughs> in that amount of yeah. time. Like, it moves lightning fast, um, not on the subject of diversity, but, like, in other ways. Publishing mm-hmm. is just morphing and changing all of the time. So, um, yeah, I'm still sorting through all the information that I got from some of these events and deciding, like, what's relevant to me, what I want to try to apply, and what I should dismiss or like, I don't know. It's just, it's a lot of information. It's like information overload for sure. Well,
0: first step is you're going to want to get your nanny a copy of your royalty statement.
1: Sure. First step for any debut author. She doesn't have anything better to do.
0: She's your nanny. She's your nanny. She does what you tell her to. And if you tell her, you know, part of taking care of my children is data analysis and she will... (laughs) Be happy to oblige. What are you talking about? I don't understand. So, yeah. Oh, an awesome moment. Can I talk about this freaking amazing moment?
1: Yes, I know exactly what you're going to say, and I'm so excited to just like relive this in my mind. Uh, it was epic.
0: Okay. Picture a panel with people on it. Fancy people. And they're all, some of them male, some of them female. One of the fancy people is J.T. Ellison, who has the same publishing house I do, and I... Somehow, like, manipulated her into being friends with me a little bit at these conferences, and I'd basically just follow her and then, um, you know, basically adore her in this basically, our, our dynamic yeah. um, and hang on her every word and then sort of, like, wish I could be her when I grow up in a strange way. So anyway... J.T. Ellison's on this panel, and toward the end, what they were doing is going around asking people who they thought were like the most influential crime writers, I believe was the question.
1: I think it was influential on them specifically, which is a slightly different question, but still. Yes.
0: Yeah, like, who influenced you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so um, people started pulling up these lists of crime writers. Um, The male people on the panel started pulling up lists and lists and lists of just men, 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 men. And They were just going on and on, I would say almost to the point where it's hard for someone to get a word in. Like they were kind of, you know, they were just excited and they were like just kind of going and going and going. And J.T. Ellison was like, hold on, I'm hearing, I'm only hearing men on these lists. She's like, what about? And she just started listing like all these women uh, crime writers from like 1940 to present. I mean, Mm -hmm. she was like in an encyclopedia
1: she had the receipts man oh, we were yeah. all like clapping we wanted to like give her a standing o and just like carry her out on our shoulders it, it was, was like incredible. a
0: football game the women were like jt 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 like we were just like
1: <laughs> yeah and i will say the men on the panel then like did name some women but in some cases for it sure. kind of seemed like they were frantically being like uh yeah i've heard of women i'm like naming all of the women they could think of but for sure like they it, knew some in names no
0: way were these men the bad the bad men we we like to joke about you know they no, were t- no, they no. were totally cool but they were just you know they were only naming men and she was like it was one of those things where i think because they were clearly not they clearly were well intentioned they clearly weren't trying blah 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 i would have probably not said anything if it were me because mm-hmm. i would have felt like well they're not being mean you know what i mean
1: yeah that was such a great example of how to handle it cuz she was just like super calm and matter of fact and just like shut it down and change the conversation. And I know like any panel that I'm on, if that starts to happen, I will be thinking of her and like hopefully be brave enough to follow in her example. I mean, she brings
0: the weight of her. I mean, she has the creds, you know what I'm saying? So she, she has this like weight of experience and authority and freaking encyclopedic amount of research. She did say two things to me that I will never forget at this conference during the times when I was following her, adoring her during those Mm -hmm. moments, she said two things. Um, She said, we were talking about struggles that come up in the publishing path, you know, in the publishing journey and how to handle them. And one of the things she said was, if you're struggling, level up. Mm. And something about that, I was just like, like as though leveling up is a choice and you could just choose to level up and be like, all right, then the only solution here is to level up. Um, she said that, and then she said, um, "If another thing, if you're struggling, she said, I always just tell myself to write a book they can't ignore."
1: Mm, I love her. I know. Write a book I had, they can't ignore. Like I heard like, of her obviously before this conference, mm-hmm. but I had never met her before, and now I too want to be her when I grow up. She is incredible. She's just awesome, man. It's so generous, like just taking a lot of time to talk to. You us newer writers and she says the debut
0: authors are like zombies they just keep coming (laughs) (laughs) perfect but also like i i just read her new her an arc of her upcoming book and it is
1: sick i can't wait i got that arc at thriller fest and i am looking forward to reading it it looks amazing it's called good girls lie it is set in a an all-girls school and it's good very excited for that
0: and it has gays
1: Yay! The gays are in there. Yay! That makes every book better. All Mm -hmm. books should have gays. So, yeah.
0: That was our conference roundup a little bit. Um, Conferences are hard. Events are hard, you know?
1: They are. um, I was, like, really not... um, I don't think I was, like, mentally prepared for Thriller Fest. I'm looking forward to going next year again when I, like, kind of know what I'm getting myself into a little bit more i think i tried to do too much i was like i'm gonna do everything and then it just was it was just too much i need to like hide in my room sometimes that's very true um that's very true you gotta
0: i mean we all have different ways some people really don't get drained as much as as we do you know not everyone is as introverted or maybe suffers as much social anxiety as i do i know i suffer a ton of social Mm -hmm. anxiety
1: i have heard that there are some writers who are extroverts yeah it's shocking. Jealous. Like, why are they, why are they writers? Like, why aren't they motivational speakers or something? I don't know. Like, to me, being a writer is just such an introverted thing. It's like, I want to sit alone all the time and all the think time. my thoughts and make mm-hmm. up friends in my head so I don't have to talk to real people. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, I think if you are an introvert at all, if you go to one of these conferences, any big event like this, you need to sort of plan in advance how you're going to, take care of yourself when you're going to have breaks definitely bring snacks I did not bring enough snacks but luckily Wendy you had all of the snacks conference mom yeah (laughs) because you don't want to have to face
0: down people every time you need a snack you need to be able to just relax in your room and have a snack alone
1: Mm -hmm. yeah those little packages of almonds like saved my damn life so thank you
0: of course I think I want, to t- I want to say that anyone who ever comes up to me and says, I'm having a hard moment, this is so many people, it's, I'm feeling really anxious, I just want to say, you can say that to me and I will not judge you and I will not be like, oh yeah, I could tell on your face. I just think, I just think it's okay to say that, to say mm-hmm. that in public places and to just be like, I'm sorry, I'm having a moment right now, this is really overwhelming because we're all, most of us are introverts too, we get it.
1: Yeah, I think absolutely at a writing conference, probably 90% of the other people in the room are feeling the same way and trying to look all confident and calm and happy, but they're like freaking out inside just as yeah. much, if not more. So that's, um, I think, helpful to keep in mind. Although sometimes it's not, I mean, I kind of I kind of knew that when I was there, but I still, you can get really isolated when you're feeling anxious. You just kind of like retreat inward.
0: Yeah, and I think... um well, I, I want to say that if, if, you are, if you are at a conference and I see you and you don't have a smile on your face or you have a face that looks in any way has a negative expression on your face, I just want to say I think that's okay. I don't need you to be smiling for me to feel okay. I, want, mm-hmm. I feel like I want to give all the women permission to just have a, fl- a straight affect, a flat affect and have that be okay. In these groups
1: yeah there is a lot of pressure as we said before to seem friendly and accommodating and and likable honestly like you because you're you know you're with all these people who are your colleagues or um people you really look up to and you want them to like you i mean that's or i like
0: them you know like yeah I, i like these people i want to be friends it's just that my face never seems to match what is inside of me it always seems to do the wrong thing
1: yeah, I have, um for, like, since I was a baby, had resting bitch face. Like, there are yeah. pictures of me as an infant. Me too. With, <laughs> like, glaring, but it's just my face, guys. Um, And then if I'm in a situation where I'm feeling really anxious, I think that just gets even worse. And then I'm thinking... Oh God, It looks so unfriendly. Everyone thinks I'm like mad and don't want to be here and that I hate everyone. And then it just kind of amps up the anxiety. It's like yeah. this vicious cycle. And I think um, like for a long time, I didn't want to talk about stuff like that, not publicly anyway, because it felt like showing weakness. But I think it's really important for women to talk about this stuff and how they're actually feeling and not pretend like oh, I'm this like fancy, important person who's very professional all the time and I don't feel this way ever. I'm just like confident in all situations. Like, it's okay to say you're freaking out and you're anxious and all of that. Um, You don't have to pretend. I mean, you have to like, I don't know, don't like break down crying in the middle of the conference if you can help it. I came close a couple times.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but you did the right thing. You left the room and you found a private space and then you took a minute and then it was fine.
1: It took a minute and some Xanax, and it was amazing.
0: Yeah. I mean, and I mean, that's the thing. It's like, I don't know. I think the more we talk about these things, the more we give each other permission to, um, oh, my God, someone is at my door, It at my house. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. We don't like it. Okay. So,
1: would it be like a, a murderer, A or serial or killer. A, murd- a, murd- a murd- Okay, it's, we'll a murderer. My door. it's a murderer. It's a murderer.
0: Or even worse, a neighbor. Oh, that is worse. So much worse. What if they want to like drop by something to be friendly? Like one time my neighbor who couldn't handle watching me to trim my hedges by hand brought me this like hedge trimmer chainsaw thing and I was so tempted to like turn it on him and be like, you don't know me. Actually, I like this. Thank you. Yeah, I just think I want to give. I, I wish there was a way for all of us women to like make a pact with each other and give each other permission and like, because we're all so, we all care about each other so much. And in those mm-hmm. moments, I just wish I could express it to all the women around me and just be like, you know, go ahead. You can like, and you can interrupt someone. Go ahead and interrupt someone. You're not unlikable. You know, that's not unlikable. He, he's talking over you. Go ahead and, and interrupt him back. Like, that's fine. Mm-hmm. You know? It's not interrupting if they keep talking over you.
1: Yeah, I think um, it's always hard to know like how assertive you can be in situations like this. But as JT Ellison showed us with her brilliant example, you can be pretty fucking assertive if you do it right. She totally did it right.
0: Yeah, she wasn't disrespectful. She wasn't at anybody. She was just like, let's not forget this important thing.
1: Mm -hmm. So I guess those are our tips. Don't feel like you have to smile and be friendly all the time. Make sure you take time for self-care and have snacks and Xanax and interrupt <laughs> men. That's like a good tip for life. Like if men are being assholes, just interrupt them. It's
0: like it's it's like one thing if someone is just doing minding their business and you come and interrupt them and take away the time that was really allotted to them. But if they are taking the time that was allotted to you as our Wonderful Maxine Waters says, You're just reclaiming your own time.
1: Yeah. That's all you're doing. I love that. I love that so much.
0: Yes. And all JT Ellison was doing in that moment was reclaiming the space in the genre that those authors deserve to have. You know, she was just reclaiming something that was already theirs. She wasn't Mm -hmm. taking anything. So, yeah.
1: That is a great way to put it.
0: That's all for us for now I think and the next time you'll hear from us we'll be doing our favorite uh, unlikable women of the summer roundup.
1: Yes, I've experienced so many amazing books and movies and all sorts of things with Me great too. bitchy characters this summer so I'm excited to talk about those and hopefully Kristen will be able to join us she'll have power restored um <laughs> in a few weeks we'll, hopefully. <laughs> I had
0: I read a lot this summer so I can't wait for that episode.
1: I read nowhere near as much as I had hoped to, but I definitely, yeah, read a lot. I mean, you know, there's nothing better to do in the summer than sit inside with a book. Like, why would <laughs> you go out I was laughing doors? at you
0: because I saw you and it's like the middle of the summer and you're still as pale as every time I've seen you. And I'm like, what the heck? It's the middle of the summer.
1: And you're like, doesn't matter.
0: <laughs> even more of a reason to stay
1: inside. It is even more of a reason to stay inside because I uh, sunburn so easily. But I went to the park today with my dog and I stayed out there for like half an hour in the shade. You know, I'm Girl, not crazy. I was with you when
0: you got a sunburn in Portland.